We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. An Emprise Bank debit card is good anywhere. You have access to 55,000 fee-free ATMs worldwide through the AllPoint ATM network. You can get the same kind of access to your money as any bank across the country while getting the value of working with a trusted partner. In Emprise Bank, there are partner impossible here at KC Sports Network. There are partner impossible with the KCSN Draft Guide. They've been absolutely the, the best to work with. I trust, or I promise you, you, you can trust them. You will love your experience working with them. Emprise Bank member FDIC. Uh, it is good to be back. It's good to be back here with my friends, Maddie Lynn, Craig Stout. And I don't know why I just said it feels good to be back. I don't think I've missed a show. I just had a really, really long weekend because I was playing golf. I played 90 holes of golf this weekend, and it just feels like it's been a week since I was gone. But Maddie Lane, what's good? Whew. Big, big hum- humble brag off the top. Okay. Um, <laughs> set the stage for the show. That's all right. 90 holes of golf. Okay. My get six it. golf clubs held up wonderfully. We I'll get it. You're an athlete. Understandable. We all got it. Um I'm doing well. It's a, it's a very humid, very humid Monday night, but I am happy to be in the middle of May talking football because this is where the action starts. Craig, are you ready for this jam-packed episode? Jam-packed is an understatement. We got some non-Chiefs news that directly affects the Chiefs this week. So we're going to break it down live for you. Kent, I can't even say the bad news as the defensive guy i can't i I, I can't do it so i'm gonna need you to do this i'm I'm gonna mute you in my headset while you do it just please go ahead and tell the people what happened yesterday you said bad news i think the chiefs just got a compensatory pick there is no bad news here uh the kansas city chiefs maddie is he asking about compensatory picks is that is, i think i read his lips i think he said compensatory picks he he wasn't asking he was informing the people that the chiefs do in fact get a comp pick potentially of like a sixth or seventh rounder for melvin ingram as yeah. in may we, they received this comp pick in may for next year's draft that that's what we are currently talking about yes i'm extremely excited the kansas city chiefs put an unrestricted free agent tender on um on melvin ingram a few like a couple days after the draft i think basically more or less to kind of just secure uh their rights to him uh through the rest of the summer essentially and it was about 20 i think it was 20 percent more than what he made last year on his deal 
Uh, but the Miami Dolphins said, screw that. We want Melvin Ingram on our football team. They paid him a one-year, $5 million contract, which was more than his deal was going to be with the Kansas City Chiefs, pulling him away uh, and pulling him off the unrestricted free agent tender. I, I'm not entirely sure which round the compensatory pick will fall under, but the Chiefs do secure an additional compensatory pick as part of uh, as part of this this uh, this agreement that Melvin Ingram signed um, and how it worked for the Chiefs. So uh, the Chiefs have lost their, you know, they, I think they had some potential preference maybe on on their defensive end or wanted to play some games. We can actually kind of unpack it. Uh, we'll stop here. Do we think the Chiefs were, or do we think they, they were sad to lose Melvin Ingram? Do you think this was part of the plan is they maybe just were kind of just trying to get something for him on the way out? Uh, what do you think? But before we before we break down the move, you know, let's just let's talk about what Melvin Ingram brought to the Chiefs last year. I think before we break down the move, just because you know, I think he does deserve a round of applause. He does deserve plenty of credit for what he did. I mean, there were times last year where, especially if you were watching the first quarter of a game in the playoffs, Melvin Ingram was the Chiefs' best defensive player, arguably at least the guy that gave the most effort, the most energy, the guy that seemed to care the most and kind of ignite the fire when the defense would be playing well early on. So like you could certainly make a case in very short spurts. He was incredibly impactful for what he did, the mentality he brought. There were times in the Bills game or other games down the stretch where a lot of the defense kind of looked ready just to get off the field and watch the offense go score. He never did. That, you know, him, Nick Bolton, they never, ever look like that. There's a couple guys, like he was one of them. So like, Big credit for that. I do think that a guy this late in his career, he was playing well. He brought some juice as a pass rusher. He brought some a, some good run defense. Like he was a good addition for the Chiefs during the middle of the year. Wouldn't you agree, Craig? Oh yeah, I'm. He brought energy. He brought another guy, another big veteran presence to to the room that the Chiefs felt like they could get a little bit of something from. I think we saw him play as a smart defender a lot, recognized a lot of stuff, brought the intensity up. I think everybody remembers that forced fumble, you know, uh, that Nick Bolton was able to take to the house. That was the kind of stuff that he brought, you know, to the team. Um, he was a massive addition to the point where a lot of people just basically genuinely considered him the Chiefs' best defensive end last year. I will say this. A lot of that production, a lot of his pressures, a lot of the things that you remember did happen early in games. It seemed like as the game went along, the intensity was still there, but maybe the production wasn't. You know, maybe he got guys with a couple moves early on in the game, wasn't able to keep that going all the way through the fourth quarter in most games. That being said, I think we were all going to be marginally comfortable with the defensive line depth with Melvin Ingram here. We felt that it was fine to potentially good. And now that he's not here, you're taking that defensive end, the guy that a lot of people thought was the best defensive end last year, taking that out of the room, and you added George Karloftis, another high energy, another guy that's you know not going to quit all game long, but definitely a step down from a play ID step down probably from production just because rookies is hard to project that so uh, this was rough for me personally because i i really thought that that the defensive line especially defensive end room would have been in a fairly good place going into 2022 and now i'm i'm worried i'm frankly worried about it well it, and that's the thing is like 
I, I'm so glad that the Chiefs addressed the edge position quickly and early. And I'm, I, you know, they they took a big swing on a guy who's going to probably play a lot of snaps. How much production he's able to get in year one, we'll we'll find out, right? But I, this team's having to kind of solve the problem of the you know one of the worst defensive end groups in football last year. I mean, like that's part of the problem. Frank Clark wasn't particularly great. Um, Melvin Ingram had his good stretches for you know early early in games, and he did that, make an impact, no doubt about it. Um, but I mean, this team, this team was, and guess what? They didn't replace Melvin Ingram. They didn't replace him. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot to impact there. Like this, this group, it's, it's, it's incomplete. And now without Melvin Ingram out of the mix, one thing I just want to bring up it, it's uh, no duck can't, but I mean, the chiefs, like Melvin Ingram never agreed to sign with the chiefs ever like correct it's just that's just a funny like just that that just makes me laugh a little bit like it's like he never actively chose to be a chief no he never did uh the chiefs had to trade for him to get him now granted it seems like both the steelers and then now the dolphins are willing to pay him a lot more than the chiefs were and i watching melvin ingram play i don't think the chiefs are necessarily wrong at the price point that they put on him that other teams have like i I think there's a lot of people that are kind of freaking out about not having Melvin Ingram and not in the way that Craig was about how it's going to impact depth and stuff like that. But I think there's people that actually saw him as somebody that moved the needle or that changed anything. No, he was still just all flashes. He was a veteran player that flashed once or twice early in a game and then just kind of tapered off as the game went on. I don't think it was an energy or an effort thing. It's just he's an older guy now that he his best play was in spurts and a very limited role. Yes, it hurts the Chiefs to not have that player, but if you are concerned about the Chiefs, Craig can attack me for this, but if you're concerned about the Chiefs' defensive ends without Melvin Ingram, the issue isn't not keeping Melvin Ingram. It's the lack of approaching it with anybody else going forward or in the past. Because like what Melvin Ingram bought to the Chiefs last year was good. It was very impactful, but I would say very easy to replicate by a lot of players in the NFL. Like He didn't do anything special. I mean, yeah, but that's the that's the thing. Like, I look at it. I'm sad about Mev- Melvin Ingram not being on this team because I look at the rest of the <laughs> spots short of the Chiefs trading for somebody, and we'll get into them. I, I we see some in the chat right now asking, you know, what what are the other options? We're going to get into those other options, but I don't love a lot of the other options. I I would have rather preferred Melvin Ingram over a lot of those guys, not just because of what he brought last year. I think the veteran presence on the sidelines, I think you saw him interacting with a lot of guys, bringing a lot of guys up. A guy like George Karloftis would learn so much from a Melvin Ingram, not just from, you know. Teach him how to use the uh, short arms. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. He's, he's going to learn how to win with a little bit, you know, undersized arms. And that is extremely valuable. So, I mean, if you're out there and you're, you know, learning from all these long arm guys, oh, just play this way, play with this sort of leverage. Melvin Ingram in that room is saying, hey, listen, this is how I did it. This is how you can come along with this. I was looking forward to that contribution to the room. Now, short of trading somebody, you're you're basically picking off the scrap heap. So it's not like it's a panic just because it's Melvin Ingram. It's more of, as Maddie alluded to, I don't love what they did at defensive end this year. I love the Karloftis ad. And I hope that some of these guys are going to contribute, but I don't love the overall approach. So let me ask you guys this. Knowing that 
they didn't seem to be particularly interested in signing Melvin Ingram. I obviously put that that tag on him, the UFA tag, and yeah. that's to be expected. You know, basically they got to they got to rent half a season of Melvin Ingram to knock a sixth round pick back a year. Basically, if it's a six, they might be trading. They might be trading a six, a future six. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically basically like what it was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it all works out. If it works out that way, you know, obviously guarantees and all that are going to determine the comp pick. But with that being said, do we think that there is a plan? Now I know that we're going to say, oh, of course, there's a plan. There's always a plan. But with the defensive end room in the spot that it is right now, do we think the Chiefs? went, you know, we're okay enough at defensive end. We believe in these young guys. Or do we think that there is an alternative plan that's coming and they were just making sure that if Melvin Ingram signed with Miami, that they made sure to get a little something for him? I I think there's a plan, but I don't think you're going to like it. Okay? So, <laughs> yeah. Here's here's what here's how I see it. And this is I think this has been one of the MOs of the Chiefs for the majority of this season when it comes to how they're navigating free agency, how they're navigating this season. They are staying extremely disciplined to um to their contracts. And I think honestly their negotiations last year were in the same kind of vein. They've been kind of playing some hardball uh as recently as last year. Part of the, I mean they didn't weren't able to get a deal done with Melvin Ingram. And Melvin Ingram didn't sign for. Him. I mean, we we had the conversation this time last year. We'll use Melvin Ingram as an example. Melvin Ingram went and signed with the Steelers for very little, and we all went and said, "I I would have paid that for Melvin Ingram this year. I would I, I would have done have. that." Well, okay, th- thanks, Maddie. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, like I think the Chiefs have a, a very dis- defined plan on how much they're willing to spend for some of these veterans. And so, yeah, do I think that they're they're sniffing around? You know, are, are they are they looking to see what you know, Jadavian Clowney is gonna run right now? Don't spoil future segments, Kent. <laughs> do do I think that they're poking around veteran defensive ends that are still available on the roster that might have some talent? Yes, uh, but I don't think I think they're staying pretty pretty committed to to operating within a very a constricted budget, uh, just to try to stay disciplined. So, yeah, I think there's a plan. I just don't know if there's really going to be any players that fall in that plan that we really like. I, I think there's. I I kind of agree. I think there's definitely a plan, right? I think what I think happened is the Chiefs went out. They talked to Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram was shopping himself around. They got word back on what the price was going to be, and they said, "No, we're not going to pay." you that much money we don't think that that's the move for our franchise we're not going to pay you five million dollars i don't think the chiefs wanted to pay him the 4.4 million dollars that he was going to supposedly get on the tag according to this you know ufa tender according to some people right i think they wanted to sign him for less than that they found out that it wasn't going to happen so they just slapped the tender on him because they know he's going to get more like i think the tender was directly put on him just because they knew he was going to go elsewhere i don't yeah. think it was them actually fighting for or jockeying for position to bring him back i think they just did it to recruit some assets because they could because if you were willing to actually pay him 4.4 million dollars why wouldn't you be willing to match 5 or did he just right. did, did he really straight up choose miami and that's that is possible it's just I, ha- I think personally that that's the route they went. They found out that he was going to make more than they wanted to pay. They did this tender to get something out of it, which also means there is another plan. Because if you go back through Brett Veach right now, 
You can't come across a single interview or press conference or anytime he opens his mouth where he does not talk about the veteran defensive end market in free agency, how it got more expensive than they were planning on it being mm -hmm. for the guys that they wanted. No, for the guys that they wanted. Like there was very specific level of player that they were looking at and they went for more than what they anticipated. That's your Von Mill. I'm assuming your Von Millers, your Chandler Jones, these older guys that still got paid. I think there is a plan though. Like, I don't know who it's going to be. We're going to talk about some potential free agents moving in a little bit, but I think there's absolutely a plan. And I think they knew pretty early on that Ingram was, as soon as that tender came out, I think they knew they weren't going to get Melvin Ingram back. They were just trying to recoup some kind of asset for him because they traded something away. But then how, how do you let your defensive in room get to here? I, that, that's, uh, that's my problem with it. Like fill it out a little bit more. Listen, I got a huge High hopes for Joshua Kandel. I hope Mike Dana continues to be a good base down defensive end that develops a little bit more. Obviously, they got a hell of a lot of guys that can blitz, but you're having to fabricate pressure with a lot of those guys. You're not really lining up with four dudes that are on the roster right now, and you're saying, hey, our four guys are better than your five guys, period. We know that we can generate pass rush with four. We know we can win that way. That is is scary to me and that's including chris jones who could have a career year i mean he could get back to where he was before but he's typically done that with some help with some outside help to prevent him from getting doubled all the time i don't see that outside help coming you're putting a lot of expectations on a lot of young players that haven't shown it at the nfl level yet i just i would like a little more insulation because again like i said i was going to be fine with the defensive end room not great with the defensive end room with melvin ingram there it was just going to be fine now for me it's below fine so i i just i don't know Let, let's talk about some guys that they could add well, to try and make me feel better i'm getting sad we'll get there we'll get there but like yeah we'll get there we'll get there oh, i mean we're gonna we're gonna maddie I'm, I'm this episode you know I, i'm trying to make it a hard you know a hard 30 and, and maddie's you know we're gonna probably go an hour i I think like if you look at the totality of this thing, like we feel like like we, we keep we've had all these conversations about corner and edge and adding some insulation, but like this is the I mean this is the corner that she's put themselves in, and so like I think they were willing to put themselves in this corner across the board and kind of play it through the draft and see what happens at the draft, and the board went really well for them for the long term success of this football team and the short term. Don't get me wrong, they got a lot of guys that are probably going to contribute very quickly. And there's Agreed. reason to, the reason to get excited about the the holes on this roster were not one first round edge big they were bigger the holes on this roster were not one first round defensive back they were bigger nice it might be one first one fourth and two sevens um but I, I, I this team seems willing to kind of ride with some young guys you know they seem kind of willing to allow you know allow the i don't want to say this to be a growing pain year but this to be a year where the young guys are forced to have to play a lot and and that's just you know it just kind of seems like that's how the that's how it's felt to them to this point which makes me wonder you know how aggressive are they going to be in addressing edge with a you know with a with a veteran i hope so i would i think it's valuable because i think there's just a lot more need there but I just don't know what the line is for the Chiefs and how hard of a line they're drawing on how much they're willing to invest to get somebody. 
but look at the other players of the other young players they're riding with. They're guys they invested a lot in, right? Like at defensive line, defensive end, defensive line, it's just Carl Loftus. You didn't invest a lot in Kane Doe. You didn't invest yeah. a lot in Malik Herring or Mike Dana. Like these aren't guys they invested a ton in. There's not a reason to think based on their their expenditure on them that they anticipate them or they should feel comfortable. That's entirely different saying oh, we're okay riding with Trip McDuffie at corner versus Joshua Kando at defensive end, right? Sure. Like you spend an entire different amount of you know capital mm-hmm. to get them. So I do think that's different. I just keep going back. You know, Brett Veach has done the whole host of interviews and stuff so far this offseason. Like he has not stopped talking about defensive and veteran defensive ends. They've traded for Terrell Suggs. They brought back Alex Okafor after releasing him. They traded for Melvin Ingram after trying to sign him. They routinely are trying to add some kind of veteran body, some other bodies into that room to help make it work so the young guys don't have to play all the time. I would be a little surprised if they are not trying to get something done. Doesn't mean it'll happen, but if they're not trying to get something done, whether that is waiting for June 1st cuts and hoping a Jaron Reed type guy falls, but preferably at defensive end or just something along those lines. I I do also want to say this for Melvin Ingram, Passed rush for the Chiefs 320 times, according to Pro Football Focus. He had 11 pressures on 320, you know, uh, pass rush reps. Now, these the stats can be slightly different, depends on where you look. But like, according to Pro Football Reference, has him at 11 pressures. He passed rushed over 300 times. Got a huge return there, right? Like, do we not think that Mike Dana wouldn't come close to replacing those exact numbers? Now, I understand that you'd have to replace Mike Dana afterwards. And Craig's got these numbers queued up, so I'm set I'm setting him up. He looks, back he's he's oh, yeah, ready. No, I'm setting him to come back because he actually has the pressure rate numbers. I'm just saying I don't know if Melvin Ingram was so good that he is going to be irreplaceable by whether it is someone on the team or whether it's going to be somebody else they can still find in free agency because he was not that productive for the Chiefs. Now, I will say this. I grade pressures of my own accord. I, you know, so this is me. I it is subjective. I'm not I'm not trying to say that it's not. I trust but. you more than an intern. <laughs> Eleven pressures came from pro football reference. Pro football focus has them at 33. So it, there's okay. a wide See, I think gap. I'm actually closer to PFF. Yeah, there's uh, a wide gap regard. there. I, 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 I am. Uh I had him at j- right around a nine percent pressure rate. So that 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 would line up closer to what PFF had. Mike Dana was under and was under 5% the year before. So, uh, you know, this is two years that he's gotten a decent amount of snaps. Now, that being said, I don't want to use Mike Dana in that role. I want to use him as a base defensive end. He's a super smart guy that plays the run really well. I want to use him in that role. And, you know, I'm more than happy pairing a, a more dynamic pass rusher that maybe is a little lighter in the pants than Steve Spagnuolo wants out there on the edge to rush after Mike Dana on later downs. I think that the combination of those two makes perfect sense to me because I think it it basically maximizes both of their both of their abilities there. Problem is, they don't have that guy either. So, <laughs> you know, I'd like to have another one of those guys. So that's why, yes, I, I agree. Melvin Ingram, I think his impact was maybe a little bit overstated, but simultaneously, I, I think that, you know, it was overstated because Chris Jones was playing so much better at defensive tackle. Let's be real here. He moved him inside. That was a major deal. But I do think he was fairly securely for me, 
the second best defensive end on this team. And, you know, I, I know everybody's going to say over that, but I, that's how I felt about it. Do you think if they brought him back, do you think that you would walk into the first game in September thinking he was still supposed to be or going to be the second best? Or would he be the third best behind Carl Loftus? I think okay, third so, behind Carl Loftus. And, and I think there's a big difference between trying to replace your second best defensive end and mm-hmm. trying to replace your third defensive end, who is your first guy off the bench. Like, And especially because now it becomes more role-specific. So I do think there is a bigger gap. There's a pretty big gap there between saying you're replacing your second best or starting defensive end versus your best or you know rotational or third best defensive end. So that Carl Loftus move maybe gave them the comfort to go ahead and enact whatever this plan may be. They also got older up front, too, outside of Karloftis. Every single guy that's back is just a year older. So, like, you you need more. You need you need to continue to build and grow that group. You probably need an injection of talent there. Um, I'm still always just going to add the caveat of Mahomes. But um, Excuse me. Taylor Stallworth is younger than Jaron Reed? Oh, my bad. So, yeah, I mean, like, I... I think it's fair to say that there's 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 a need there. Um, how big of a need you can have the debate. How willing the Chiefs are gonna, you know, how how strongly the Chiefs feel about the need there, you know, what's gonna be fascinating because I think that it's interesting. Like we don't know how the negotiations with Melvin Ingram went either. Like we're not. Are we even sure they had great negotiations? Period. Because the Chiefs weren't willing to pay four million dollars last year. So did Melvin That's what I'm Ingram? Saying. I think they knew they were priced out relatively early on. Like I well, think like, they were aware. Or did they even try? Or how hard did they try? Or you know, I I just I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here. Anyways, if they're gonna go add somebody, who is it? No, what, no, no. no. We, I got a sidetrack. You're getting a Maddie Maddie sidetrack right in the middle, right in between these two segments. This is this is uh this is what we got to do. It's a Monday. This is what happens. Well, why do you guys think that Brett Veach is doing the media tour right now? Do you think he's just feeling himself after a great draft? Do you think that there is some kind of like overt power dynamic shift in the Chiefs knowing that Andy Reid's tenure might be coming to a close in the next couple seasons and that someone's got to take more power and now all of a sudden, <clears throat> excuse me, Brett Veach is getting pushed out in the front. He's doing interviews with Florio. He's on with a podcast with Thomas Dimitrov talking about his building process, like he's doing the full media tour at a level that I don't think he has done in the past. So do you think I, it's circumstantial? Do you think it's him saying, oh, I just killed this draft. I know it. Let me go tell everybody about it. Or is it they know somebody else kind of has to be the front of this team building of this front office. It can't be Andy forever. Maybe it's time for Brett Veach to start getting some of the extra shine. I think that there's a concerted effort to put Brett in front of people. Now, that could be because Brett did such a great job with the draft. We all agree with that. I think every single one of us agree that he absolutely slaughtered the draft. Um, And it could just be that the typical Andy press tour that goes around there, Andy might just be saying, hey, listen, Brett, you you did the work. You should get the plaudits here. You You should take the victory lap here because a lot of times we talk about Brett Veach and draft capital and him burning it and maybe not using it on positions of need, maybe reaching a little bit. You know, we, we've had those conversations over the past three years and he expertly played the board. He really did. And I think everybody knows it. The chiefs are widely regarded as having one of the top drafts 
in the league this year. It could just simply be Andy saying, hey, listen, man, this is your time of year. This is your time to shine. You killed it, and everybody thinks so. Everybody wants to talk to you. You get out there and handle all this. Can I, Maddie, answer this a little bit? No, you cannot. Nope. You have yeah. to hint to answer it. The Well, I will just say the Dimitrov uh, interview happened a long time ago. So, like, if we're citing that as part of the media uh, wave, it happened a fair. long time ago. Did it, uh, I, I, I am had so a excited. Yet. I didn't know he was in. He was on GM Journey, uh, but I can't wait because those have been very, very good. Um, okay. I'm going to nerd out about that. I think he's starting to get more pull, influence, comfortability within the position. And you've seen his growth so much over the last four years. And I'm not, not even necessarily just like the how the team's built and all that stuff. I just think in general, like there's just a there's got to be a supreme level of comfort. The 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 battery of Mahomes or the battery of well Mahomes Reed and and Veach, the cohesiveness that they all have there. I just think there's probably some level of comfort and yeah, wanting him to get out there and maybe be a little bit more of a spokesman on behalf of the org. So like I think there's a little bit of that. There's probably a little bit of that, yeah, he's feeling himself and he shook because his draft was incredible. And I hope I hope he's flexing. He should be. That thing was nuts. I'm still not over. I I I saw a picture of Trent McDuffie earlier today in a Chiefs jersey. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, it's like you almost. Oh forget. yeah, he's okay. awesome. Oh Great. yeah. Oh hey, good football players just stacked on top of each other. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm looking too much into it. And I think he's done some of these things before. Too. I think he's think he's you know. But I do think there's probably a little bit more willingness to put him out there uh, than there has been, and he should. I think it's time for, it's time for him to kind of blossom in that role and I think he already has. I think I I think you might be starting to see a little bit more ownership in the organization from him. Yeah, well, that, I just was curious as to what your guys thoughts were because he really was doing a lot of the interviews now and you know we'll, we'll talk about stuff like this off of a podcast situation just to share some thoughts and I I'm still going to like put dip one toe into the side of Andy's tenure is going to be over sooner rather than later just given age and health concerns somebody has to be seen as the face of stability around the team i don't know if you can make that eric the enemy right now i don't know if you can bring matt Nagy right back in and make it him after what happened in chicago especially if the turnaround is quicker than we might even think for andy so it's just i wonder if it's just a little bit of positioning from that aspect because now you know if let's say andy retires after this year whatever happens going into next year, you still have this picture of Brett Veach being pushed as this stabilizing factor. And you're just kind of setting him up for that. I just, I have one toe on that side that just says, I can see politically how an organization would start to maneuver like the outward facing uh, part of the front office towards him. And it just coincides with him having a lot of success in the draft last year at the way things turned out. And everybody assuming this draft class is going to be really good. Just seems like a good time for him to start doing something like that. I think that's the right phrase, start to do something. Like, I don't think it hurts anything at all to have them out there. Mm -mm. It can only help. And so, like, that's probably part of it, too. It's a good it's good timing for him to be a little bit more out there in media as well, whether or not Andy's here. I don't think Andy's got at least two more seasons. I would, I would imagine. Yeah, at no, least I would, two more. And I would more. bet a lot more. I'd bet, like, okay, Maddie, if I set the line at, if I set the line at two and a half seasons, you taking the over or the under? I'm going to go the over only because it seems like they're doing enough resetting this year that he's going to want to run it out. Had it, had they come out and paid a lot of veterans or kept more players and made it seem more like they're all in right now, I would have definitely taken the under. Just the moves they made have pushed me to the over. But I don't, if you want to put it to four and a half, I'm taking the under. 
If mm. you put it at four and a half, I'm taking the under. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Well, can, the next. Can we oh. talk about defensive ends now? Yeah, can I had a really. I had, a, I had a transition <sighs> set up perfectly. I'm just, I'm fidgety. Time and for a commercial. Yeah, it is time for a commercial. No, no Mac noodles. Okay. No, no, it has to be organic. You guys can't force me into this. You just expect that this is just going to happen. It doesn't <laughs> don't, flow. Out don't of look me. at, don't look at me. I, I oh. was just making a commercial joke. I had no oh. intentions of forcing you into Mac oh noodles. That was all just, Listen, it just doesn't happen. You can't just bring it about like the good people brought a Mac noodles to Kansas City summer of this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Like it, it doesn't just show up. You can't just be there. It takes a lot of hard work because you don't get to the best customer service, the best prices, and the best selection just by magicking it out of thin air. It takes dedication and hard work, the kind that you would expect out of a high quality liquor store like. A Macadoodle. So if you're a franchisee and you want to put in that kind of hard work, then you know what? You should get a hold of Roger. Get a hold of him by sending an email to info at macadoodles.com and you can have your own. But know that it's going to take a hard work, a lot of hard work because there's a standard to live up to. There is dedication that needs to happen. And there is just an expectation when you have a Macadoodles around and your customers will have that expectation, which is why. You need to invest in more Macadoodles in Kansas City, your neck of the woods, wherever it may be, that not just going to magic out of thin air, just like that commercial didn't magic out of thin air. <laughs> oh, that was the best one yet. I, that might be my favorite one. We've done like we've done like a hundred of these, and that might be my favorite one ever. All right, defensive end time. Let's talk. Oh, by the way, thank you all so much for watching. Please hit the like. Please hit the, the subscribe button. And please tell me and tell us what defensive ends you want the Chiefs to go after. Uh, free agents trades, you tell us. Because and how great the big institution is. And, how, two and how great, yeah, hashtag Craig is great. But like, subscribe, 
it does great things for the channel. We got, you know, a lot of you watching right now. We might be able to get a few more of y'all watching right now if you hit the like, subscribe, and leave some comments. It's it's good for the show as we grow it. So thank y'all so much. Um, all right, let's talk about some defensive ends that could potentially fit in here. And there's, you know, there's a few that you could probably look at. But again, it's it's I, this is why I'm so curious because I'll throw I'm gonna throw the name out here first. Probably still in Maddie's Thunder. He's got takes. Jadavian Clowney. I think Jadavian Clowney is going to probably cost more than Melvin Ingram. I think Jadavian Clowney is going to want to try to warrant more than, than Melvin Ingram. Is Jadavian Clowney a perfect fit? I'm not entirely sure from a cultural perspective. He's kind of a different guy, how he's approached things, I think, historically with his, you know, his, which, with his career. And he's kind of got been a guy that's been a disappointment at times. But when you look at, I mean, physical profile, length, size, you know, athleticism. He's probably the best. Is he the best edge left down the market, Maddie? I think I think pretty comfortably, right? Like Jadavion Clowney as a player is substantially better than Melvin Ingram as a player right now. Like he's a better football player. He I don't think that's much of a hot take. So like you would definitely get better. The problem is the rumor swirling is that Cleveland offered him a two-year $24 million deal earlier on in the offseason. Now Maybe his price tag has had to come down since then, but is Clowney that much better? Is Clowney worth two years at $12 million a year versus whatever, you know, some of these other guys we might talk about are going to be? I don't know, but like in just in terms of talent or even what they put out on the field, I mean, yeah, he's the best guy available. He's also going to be the most expensive and that's part of waiting it out this long. You know, one's going to cost more than him that's left. Like he very clearly is, you know, the, the bell of the ball left out there on the field. The problem is, He's burned bridges at a couple teams because, like Ken said, he's a little bit of a different a guy the way, the way he <laughs> every, approaches things. Every he's team. not always the easiest guy to bring in and get along. He clearly plays better as a second or third fiddle when you have somebody else in the room that can keep him in line. Um, and you had that with Miles Garrett in Cleveland. You had that with J.J. Watt while he was healthy in Houston when he was in Seattle or, you know, was he, in, he was in Tennessee briefly, wasn't he? Or with my he has signed, yeah. signed three one-year deals. Yeah. And since. so you put him in Tennessee. It's like, it depends on where he goes, how it's going to work out. I don't know if the chiefs have the best infrastructure for him. I don't know if Chris Jones is the type of guy to keep him in line. Frank Clark, when he was younger and playing better, you could, or I could see the case being made for a guy that could help keep him in line. But given Frank Clark, some of his off the field stuff, the fact that his play is declining, it may be hard to see him as a guy that keeps Jadavion Clowney in line. So I don't know if the Chiefs are in the best situation to go for him, despite him being the most talented guy out there. I don't think the Chiefs are chasing with that 10-foot pole. Uh, I'll be real. Ooh. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. It'd I be really a complete don't. 180 from every other move they've made this offseason. Absolutely would. It seems like this team wants football character. And right now, Jadavian Clowney does not appear to be that guy. Now, Maddie, Kent, I'll just real quick here, let me ask you this. Do you think that anybody on the Chiefs has 16 sacks this year as a defensive end one? 16. That's a lot. Do you think no. anybody? No. I don't, I don't know if they're going to have 16 sacks at the edge position. Yeah, I don't know if the now, defensive ends they didn't, add I don't up think the 16. They didn't have 16 at the edge position last year. Okay, so there Probably. you go. Jadavian Clowney's best two years in the last four years required J.J. Watt having 16 sacks in 2018 and Miles Garrett last year having yeah. 16 sacks. 
He earned nine sacks playing second fiddle to those guys. Both of those seasons. Now, it seems like a lot. People are going to look at that and go, hey, nine sacks. That's a massive upgrade. He needs that other guy across from him. We've seen it time and time again. Seahawks tried it. The Titans tried it. Even Houston, when J.J. Watt was hurt, they tried it as well. He just does not fit. He doesn't play with the sort of intensity. He doesn't play with the sort of football character. Yeah, the talent is great. Don't get me wrong. The talent, the athleticism, all of that are ridiculous and they're awesome. I just don't think he fits. And like Maddie said, I don't think the infrastructure is there to try and maximize what he can do. I don't foresee another guy taking so much attention to where Jadavian Clowney is going to get all these ridiculous one-on-one pass rush opportunities and a chance to do that for the kind of money that he's likely going to require. Hey, real quick, guess how many sacks the edge position had for the Chiefs last year? I don't see you're trying to make me sad again. Just, Here just I guess. am trying to move on. Just guess. I, I'm going to guess 14. Okay. And a half. Nine. Whew. Oh, no, that's not fair. How many did Chris Jones get from defensive end? And you're not counting it. Okay. Do we think half of his <laughs> it was, sacks it was like, came it was like two? It's like two or three. I mean, <laughs> so 18 yeah. is 18 a sad stat because it's still pretty sad. No, it is. Chris no, only it's had a terrible nine, stat. Period. I'm not disagreeing with that. No, don't Maddie it. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, Craig, who's your guy? You you hate who's Shadavion my guy? Clowney. Craig thinks Shadavion Clowney is a bum and should not be on the football field for the Kansas City Chiefs. Thank you. They're that is you, exactly now. you know that, right? You know how this works, right? That is exactly what I said to the letter. I'm, if I got to pick somebody uh, that's a free agent right now, I'm going to go with Trey Flowers. Certainly Ooh. not a sexier name and i'm not saying that he's going to be a stud defensive end but you're raising the floor there you're adding another veteran presence you're adding in length you're adding more power we talked about trey flowers a couple seasons ago as a guy that it would make some sense for the chiefs to bring in he's still 29 you're just paying him on a one-year deal yeah he was unable to really play and be healthy the past couple of seasons but he really has been a pretty decent pass rusher when he's healthy and a lot of teams have recently counted on him to be kind of a primary pass rusher the Chiefs could bring him in much in the same way that we talked about Melvin Ingram you know if he's your number three that's a good number three that's a really good number three and you're helping Karloftis along by you know having a a high football character guy in Trey Flowers high football character guy in Frank Clark helping him learn the ropes helping him as a veteran guy and he's not gonna cost very much either and so I was gonna and this I was gonna jump in at if if we weren't gonna bring up Trey Flowers, uh if someone wasn't gonna bring up Trey Flowers, I was gonna say like I think Trey Flowers is the guy that they use or that they address the position with that we're not overly excited about and we don't know if he moves the needle uh mm-hmm. all that, that much. injury history though. Like it's like, bad, it's not good. He's been it's playing. Like that I think is your big concern. Now you would obviously have him play less snaps, but like not only has he not been productive on this massive contract he signed with Detroit, he's been often hurt. It's like that's you know, that's he's, a concern. He's played a total of fourteen games in the last two seasons, yeah. right? Um, so I was just gonna, in, unless there was a specific, another specific person you guys want to talk about, I was gonna lump a couple veteran guys just kind of in together. 
Uh, go for it. Cool. Okay. I, I, and we're just talking free agency now too, because I'm pretty right. sure there's another place you're going to want to go. Yeah. We're in, okay. no, yeah. No, this is just free agency. So like, you know, we're all talking about Melvin Ingram and missing out on what he brought. And I get it that like he did help the team, but like he was still an aging veteran that wasn't that good. Here's a group of veteran, you know, defensive and free agents that are roughly the same age that have been more productive over the past two years that are still free agents. Jason mm-hmm. Pierre Paul. He, mm-hmm. what, his last year was the worst one he's had, but two years ago, he had, what, eight sacks for the Tampa Bay? Nine and a half sacks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that, two years ago. Does that guy know Steve Spagnuolo? I'm, I'm right. just, I'm, I'm unclear. <laughs> right. Jason Pierre-Paul. Carlos Dunlap got traded to Seattle two years ago. He had eight and a half sacks last year. You want to talk about a guy that is the little, literal picture-perfect Steve Spagnuolo defenseman? We use that phrase a lot, but like that's Carlos Dunlap's kind of mantra around the league. This strong side defensive end that plays the run well, that gives you effort pass rush. Everson Griffin was like on the brink of being out of the NFL. Look at his last three years, eight sacks, six sacks, despite being split up between two teams, even five sacks last year in a role. Like there's plenty of veteran free agents that were more productive or as productive as Melvin Ingram that are around the same age. If you're willing to play in that age bracket at that point, four, three, four, five million dollar range, I think you can probably play with all of these guys. Like all these guys are going to be an option. They're all guys that have been around the multiple systems. They know how to play against the run and the pass. It's just, I don't think it's Ingram or bust when you're looking at these options that are available. Everson Griffin, another shorter armed uh, pass rusher as well. Could be interesting. You know, we're talking about, you know, maybe that's a guy you want around Carlisle just to help a little bit there too. Uh, all those guys would be like all those guys that Maddie ran through and listed there would be great guys to help a young set of defensive ends. And not just Karloff, just Joshua Kando. If you got help for him, Malik Herring, if he makes the roster, if you've got hope for him, those are the types of veterans that you want in the room. They've been around a long time. They're more than willing to, you know, show these people the rope. They're not coming in with an ego or anything like that, especially at this point in the season. And you're hoping that you can, have those guys bring them along. I'm I'm all for all of those. I'll I'll throw this I'll throw this question in there for for this particular discussion. That group you just talked about. Would you sign two of them? Would you just go double dip with those 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 lower cost veteran type pass rushers? Just kind of insulate yourself. I mean, if we're talking about Malik Herring potentially making the team, why not Everson Griffin and? And Carlos Dunlap here in the mix. Like I bet you one of those guys that you just talked about goes for less than $4 million too, by the way. Why not both? Because you want to give Joshua Kando, Malik Herring, Mike Dana, and George Karloff this reps that you, you want to be, be able to give them reps without having to. And if you sign both of those veterans, plus have Frank Clark, plus Mike Dana, who the team clearly trusts in spurts, not all the time, but in spurts or for certain situations, you are going to run into a little bit of a log jam. Not quality snaps necessarily, but you are going to run into a log jam of snap counts. And I don't know if any of those guys that we're kind of talking about are at the point of their career where they want to come in and be a fourth or fifth defensive end. You want to tell them they're going to be your third guy, the first guy off the bench that's going to play in specific situations that benefit them. Sure, you want to tell them they're going to be a true backup. They might they might consider going somewhere else. Now, I will say this. I'm not signing two of those guys. And you could throw in like a Justin Houston in there who I think the ship has sailed. But I, I, I see a lot of that in the chat. So I want to do it. Ryan that. Kerrigan, there's Justin, another one that's on the list. Ryan Kerrigan's another guy. Oh, man. Oh, Ryan we were to Purdue, a short arm Purdue pass rusher? He can come in with George Karloftis as well. Wow. 
I am fine with bringing in a veteran defensive end. Give me Akeem Hicks if you are adding two players along the defensive line. Give me some interior as well. I'm, I'd rather do that than spend two salaries of roughly the same amount at defensive end because I do think that there are some young guys. Give me another body on the interior. I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to the idea. I kind of expected the Chiefs to play in this market a little bit. I just think they're staying pretty quiet and disciplined, and maybe they're not trying to show their hands entirely. They might have some things lined up already. Who knows? Um, they might Mario have some Joby, if you want to go inside. I, Ooh, yeah, I, I forgot the other, like a week ago that he was even a free agent still because that contract fell apart with uh, Cincinnati, maybe? Yeah, uh, Chicago. Chicago. The Chicago, Chicago base. Was, yeah. yeah, the contract like fell apart and he was taking some meetings against like there's obviously something medical going on there. But I mean, here's a guy that had he's at three seasons over five sacks. He's coming off a seven sack year for Cincinnati. Like you just want an interior pass rusher. Larry Ogan, Joby can do that. It's like there's some potential guys out there. I, I this always comes up. Do you think if the Chiefs can't find a defensive end, they would go to add more interior pass rush instead? And, like, yes, it's a possibility. They also just tried it, and it didn't really work that well. Like, it very clearly didn't work that well. I don't think Steve Spagnuolo's defense is based around just getting interior pressure. He would rather have his defensive ends get pressure. So, like, if you can't if you can't make it work from the outside, then sure, why not try a defensive end instead? Just, I don't think that they would ever, or they're going to go out again and be like, hey, let me get another pass-rushing defensive tackle over a defensive end, because it's just... The NFL doesn't work that way. Two interior pass rushers is not a way to base your defense in the NFL. Like no team has success with that unless it's Aaron Donald. And even then they just flank him with a bunch of speed rushers every year. And it doesn't matter who it is. They have 10 sacks. I would, uh, I would much rather the Chiefs just blitz the hell out of their linebackers <laughs> than try and build around oh, the interior. I mean, oh, they and they're will. going to. They're going to. They will. Have you seen the <laughs> The Chiefs were eighth in blitz percentage last year at 28%. Spagnolo had to back off a little bit at times just because couldn't trust some of those corners when they were going through some injuries and stuff like that. Couldn't trust those guys in the secondary as much with the secondary being improved. I fully and totally believe that Steve Spagnolo is going to blitz even more. So I do think that there's going to be some pressure there. My, my man loves to win with four. So I there are going to be more four-man rushes than blitzes. Thanks, everybody watching right now. Uh, please hit the like. Please hit the subscribe button. Leave your comments. Tell, you, tell us who you think the Chiefs should trade for because that's what we're going to talk about next. Oh. And we didn't we we did not talk about names in advance, but Maddie Lane, I know there's a guy I'm going to let you talk about. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, obviously there is a... Uh, there's one name that stands out in terms of a defensive end you might want to trade for. And is he plays for the Chicago Bears. Um, he was the best Chicago Bears defensive end last year. Not Khalil Mack. It was one Robert Quinn. Um, I think he had a career high. Led the NFL mm -hmm. with 18 and a half sacks last year. I think he was second, uh, but yeah. Maybe he second did. in the he NFL. Might have, he might have. He, he might have. I'll look that up. Continue second or maybe first in the NFL in sacks. Robert I don't know. Quinn. Is that good? <laughs> um also familiar with Steve Spagnuolo, seeming uh, he played for him with the Rams when Steve Spagnuolo was the head coach. And they were in he was a draft uh, pick. I think he was a Spags draft pick. He might have been his first or second draft pick, like first overall. Yeah. Uh, very up and down career in terms of like when he's really good, he's really good. And then he's had some down years in between. But like he still seems like he's at a point where he can rush the passer well. And that's what he does. His contract is very palatable. He had this weird meeting, like this weird official meeting with the Chicago Bears front office at a very strange time 
in the offseason that it made everyone swirl about like, well, wait a second. Is he now available for trade? Is he not? The Bears draft doesn't say they think they're competing anytime soon. So like, why not try to move him at this point in time for future picks? It makes a lot of sense for them. It would make a lot of sense for the Chiefs to go get him for his familiarity with Steve Spagnuolo, with the huge need at defensive end. I have no idea what you would need to get him away from the Bears. That's a different talk altogether. Some people think it'll be a high draft pick. Other people think because of his age and the contract he's on, it'll be a low draft pick. I have no idea, but like that's the name if you're looking for a trade that seems the most available that would very clearly give you the biggest mm-hmm. impact. Oh my goodness. No, that uh, Robert Quinn would be your defensive end one. If you make that trade, you have a new DE one. Now he's an old one, but he is your new DE one. So if you are looking to push those chips in, for this year and again we don't know what that is i believe before the draft we talked about the leo chanel pick like we were talking about how oh man i'd give that up in a heartbeat for robert quinn at this point that was just us speculating so i i don't know what it's going to take he's obviously had a conversation you know with the organization about his future there that either means to me that he's sticking around for a year or He's looking at it as, hey, if we get to the tread de- tread deadline, maybe we reevaluate this situation. And having that conversation with them up front to say, hey, listen, be on the lookout here. If we're going through Justin Fields' growing pains, new coaching staff growing pains, I want out. And I want to go out to a contender. So Robert Quinn would make a lot of sense. I just don't know if he's available before the start of the year. That may be one of those that the Chiefs, if they were going to trade a pick for him, it might actually be more of a midseason acquisition. Well, the Chiefs right now, if they are getting a six-round pick for Melvin Ingram, have 12 picks in the 2023 NFL draft. Oh, the year that they host the draft. Weird. Um, They have a first, a second, two thirds, two fourths, a fifth, uh, we believe three sixths with Melvin Ingram and two sevenths with the compensatory pick on top of their uh, regular seventh round pick. So this team has tons of draft capital uh, to utilize to potentially make improvements. And I'm, you know, I, I, I could definitely see, you know, if, if, if Robert Quinn's available mid season. Yeah. Like I think the chiefs would very much be in that play, in that market, um, help prorate the contract down a little bit. Although the contract is manageable. I think we've looked at it before and I think the cap hits aren't outstanding. Or aren't and I don't outrageous. think you're like locked in. I think that you have the year to year or to less. Yeah. At, um, the one holdup, like in terms of like even getting hyped about this, the bears did nothing in the draft to make you think that right. they're willing to move on from Robert Quinn. Like they drafted Dominique Robinson, who is a, two-year defensive end after playing wide receiver and like day three of the NFL draft, like they would be starting Jeremiah Atachu and uh, like Travis Gibson at defensive end if they traded Robert Quinn. Like, Travis, they, yeah, like, Travis. I love yeah, Travis. I think, but like they just don't, they don't have the bodies, especially moving on from Akeem Hicks yeah. and Eddie Goldman, who's still a free agent too, all in this offseason. Like that would be a lot of defensive linemen out without heavily oh, investing. Sure. Just that meeting was very weird. The meeting that Robert Quinn had with them was very weird. The fact that they're apparently ready to just ride it out this year, no matter how rough it may be, just he might be an option. Like you would clearly want to get them on the phone as quickly as possible. Yeah. And I mean, again, and that that sort of leads me to believe that they know that they're going to start the season with him. You know, they make those significant investments. They know that they're going to start the season with him. But, you know, if that, if that Bears team starts terribly, 
Like they're going we, to. They're, and they, they yeah. It's listen, Robert Quinn's been around this league for a long time. My man can sniff when that's coming. Like, and and it could be that he's looking at it and he's saying, Hey, maybe make some plans. Maybe start looking at this a little bit because uh yeah, I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not really going to enjoy sticking around here if we are looking at another losing season. I I think you can tell pretty quick. (laughs) I think that's why they had a meeting. That's why they had a meeting. (laughs) Um, Matt, any other names you want to throw out there before we get out of here? Nah, we we stuck to just defensive end. I think that's good. We talked about Bradbury last week. I, I mean, if there's any other position you guys would even think they'd want to add before the season starts, throw in, throw even just a position or a name out there. But I think that's that's probably the only place they should look at. Maybe we save it for another week or maybe Thursday if we find it. Or never. Cool. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory Live Edition. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.